Tuesday morning broadcast, JMAM, a reminder that Rabbi Shimon Finkelman is out with a brand new book. The book is entitled The Rebbe on Beacon Street. It's a book about the inspiring life and impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnov. And we are honored this morning, and for us it's a tremendous kavod, a tremendous kavod uh, this morning to speak with one of the sons of uh, the Boston Rebbe, and that is the Boston Rebbe of today, um, uh, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, who is the Boston Rebbe of Boston, the successor in Boston to his father. Uh, Rebbe, uh, Rabbi Horowitz, it's truly an honor uh, to welcome you to JM in the AM. Good to be here. Much appreciated. I met your father, I met the Rebbe when I was a teenager on a, uh, a trip to Boston that I took with uh, our high school class. And if I'm speaking about it 40 years later, uh, it's obvious that that visit had an impact. I would imagine you've heard stories like this um, many, many, many times over the years. Correct. I've had many stories of people who my father had an impact on just for that short discussion that he might have given them during their visit here on, in Boston on a high school trip or even an eighth grade elementary trip. Right, no question about it. Certainly wonderful memories for people like me. Um, the, 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 there's so many interesting circumstances in the book. I mean, your, your father's father, I guess, I guess who many uh, would call the first Boston Rebbe, um, made many attempts not to actually stay in Boston had a tremendous love for Eretz Yisrael, a tremendous desire to live in Israel. And it, it seems, just based on what I read, that so many circumstances or coincidences, and we know there's no such thing as coincidence, just kept bringing him back to Northeast America. Is that how you would portray it? Correct. He was sent here, not by his own accord, through his uncle, the Lelva Rebbe, Rabdovitz and in a way, he was forced to get here because he was on a trip to Europe, and World War I broke up outright before he was supposed to return to Eretz Yisrael. And the only way he could be able to survive, because he was under a Turkish passport, was to come to the United States, and he ended up here in Boston. And every time he tried to return, it seems it was unsuccessful, and he always said that his uncle doesn't let him get back to Israel because he feels he has that mission in the United States. And uh, because us New Yorkers always, uh, you know, are, are, always feel terrible when we lose out to Boston, was it Boston because of relatives or a specific sponsor or an acquaintance, or was Boston again by coincidence? No, it wasn't so much by coincidence. He was for a while in East New York, but there was a group of, of uh, Hasidim who wanted him to come to Boston. So he felt that would be the best place for him to set up that he should be able to have his base medrash and do his avoidus hakodesh. Um, I have to ask. I'm sure this audience will be even more intrigued than other audiences might be. Uh, the the point is made in the book that one of the reasons he had such an impact and was able to have such an immediate impact was frankly because Boston and it continues to be today is a is a city of academia is a city that attracts a lot of Jews from a lot of places around the world because people want to be in places like Harvard and many other institutions that I could list. Was that immediate? Was the benefit 
to that community, Jews who might be in the world of academia? Was the impact of the Rebbe immediate for them? I would say that for my father, he was involved, and he really became more involved in the early 60s in attracting people from the academia through his reputation and through his uh, good English, as they say. And because of that, there were, he was able, being an American-born, American-born, he was able to attract people and have an understanding of where they're coming from to give them the proper outlook of what Jewish life is all about, where maybe previous generations, immigrants, might have thought of the shtetl that you have in Europe, and they wanted their children to have a different type of life, and they didn't realize you could be an Erla Chayid growing up in the United States as well. So it's not like the college town kept him there, but once he was there and saw the landscape, saw just how many Jews were professors and students and, and, and other people involved in the universities, he said they, they have to have a connection to our, our tradition and heritage. Absolutely. In fact, I wouldn't call my father, where people today have people that do outreach and they're outreach professionals, my father didn't go to college campuses. My father stayed in his shul in, on Shabbos. People came to him, not the other way around that he went out. Of course, he went to different cities, right. sometimes invited by individuals, but his main place and where people got in touch with him was in his shul and his area where he was staying. We're speaking with Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, who's the Boston Rebbe in Boston, Massachusetts, and the son of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, uh, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnof. The brand-new book is written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. It's called The Rebbe on Beacon Street. Go to artscroll.com uh, for all the details. The book has just been released. The Rebbe that we're speaking of, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, passed away just about 12 years ago, just to give you a little bit of a historical perspective. Um, it, it, it's interesting, and those of us who've had interactions with Rebbe's we know that the that the the most beloved part of watching a Rebbe in action, so to speak, is is the Vahafta Lareacha Kamocha. But your father, it seems based on this book and and based frankly on the short encounter I had with him and his reputation, just had that to a to such a high degree. There was nobody, no matter what their background, and no matter you know if they were a member of the Jewish community, he had such tremendous ahava, not just respect that he would sit down and spend time with them, but describe the love that it seems he must have had in his heart for every single Jew. Well, I can give you over a story where one time this fellow walked in from Cambridge, a student, and it was toward, it was on Shabbos morning, it was toward the end of davening that he walked in, and he didn't walk in with you. A typical Shabbos garb, and he came down to Kiddush, and he came over to me to give Shalom, and of course, I saw, you know, he came late to davening, you know, I wasn't up to entertaining him, and sure enough, he went over to my father, and my father sat him down, and he started talking to him, and asked him where he's from, and where is he holding in his studies in college, and he invited him for the Suda Shabbos in the morning and afternoon after davening, and he developed a relationship with him. Even though he wasn't what you call your regular, typical type of Jew that would be walking into the shul. <laughs> right. 
And the reason behind that is because my father saw under the garb, he saw there was a Jewish neshama there, and he understood that every Jewish neshama is precious, and he realized the potential that that person can have. And sure enough, he became observant. He's a proper as a Jewish family with children and grandchildren today. And, and, and the point I would make further is it's not just the positive. When a Jew was in pain, when someone approached him, whether they were Orthodox or not, and expressed the difficulties they're going through, it just felt like they had the ear of somebody who was feeling their pain, somebody who was relating to what they were going through. Even more so, when people come here, we have an organization that's called Rofa International, and they come here. We don't only take in what you call observant Jews, we take in non-observant secular Jews as well. And I can still recall where this not secular family came in from Israel, and during that period of time, there was a, a disagreement between the secular and non-secular Jews, where they even came to violence, where stones were thrown by each other. And when the person came in to say goodbye to us, thank us that we took care of their family and their child who was being hospitalized here in Boston, they said, I can promise you one thing. We're not going to throw any more stones at observant Jews any longer. Oh, wow. <laughs> realize that there is a harvest you stroll coming from both sides. Powerful, powerful story. Uh, speaking with uh, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, the son of the Boston Rebbe. He is the Boston Rebbe himself, but you understand what I'm saying. The son of the Boston Rebbe, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, that so many people knew for so many years up in Boston. Uh, at what point did your father move to Israel? 1984. And that was because, again, fulfilling that dream, or there was a, an additional purpose at that time? My father always had a dream to move to Eretz Yisrael and have a community there because that was the dream of his father. My father wanted to finish off the mission of his father, just like Shleim HaMelech tried to finish off the mission of David HaMelech to build the Beit HaMikdash. He wanted to build a settlement in Eretz Yisrael, and through many, much Seattle Deshmai, he was able to have a Beit HaMikdash and a community in Harnof of Israel. And that's why he was also known as the Boston Rebbe of Harnof. Right. And, and that was his dream to settle in Israel. And even towards the end of his life, where he could not any longer travel between the United States and Israel, he chose Israel to be full-time. And, and in all seriousness, although some may find this funny, because many of us always look at Harnof as an exclusively you know, one type of neighborhood, the, the reality is Harnof has... Jews of all backgrounds, and it seems that that was one of the reasons your father chose Harnof, because he felt that that was one neighborhood where everybody from every background would feel comfortable visiting and would feel comfortable living. That's correct, and in fact, even when it was a situation, there was some strife between different parts of the community there. My father said instead of having people disagree, invite them for a Shabbos meal and let them see what Shabbos is all about and what they're missing in Shemir Shabbos and observing the Shabbos. Wow. Very interesting. Uh, the book is called The Rebbe on Beacon Street. It's brand new. Go to artscroll.com for details. Um, one of the things, and look, I'm doing this 37 years, and, and I'm not sure if you know or not, but the, the basic uh, theme of this show has always been Jewish music, even with all the discussions we've had. 
over the years, and and the Boston and Nigunim obviously have made a profound impact on Jews worldwide just in terms of how amazing they are. Now, maybe you can give us a perspective on how important Nigunim are in general because there's so many Hasidic dynasties that have their own Nigunim. Could you give us a, a, just a brief history or some insight into the, the, the Nigunim, the tunes of the uh, Boston dynasty? Well, the main uh, the main composer of tunes for the for Boston and Nigunim was my father's brother, Rav Moshe Harwitz, who was the Boston Rebbe of New York, New York Boston Rebbe, and his son Rav Chaim Avram, who passed away about four or five years ago, five years ago to be exact. Yerutai was just recently Yudchad Sivin, and he was also very well known. In the music world, many people sing the songs of my uncle and my father, and my bro- and my uh, my cousin, um, without realizing it's a Boston and Nigun. Right, that's what I discovered. And, right. Yes, and also my brother in Harnov does have a talent to be a composer, and he has composed. My father did not compose so many Nigunim, but he had uh, one Nigun that he did compose. But he was someone who understood music. And what he felt was, he mentioned many times, that the music speaks to the neshama. Mm. The neshama feels the music just like we have food for our, our bodies. We have music to be able to take care of our souls. I mean, there, there's a Bostoner Lashana Haba that I think the whole world, if, I, if I'm right, I hope I'm right and not misstating this, if I'm right, the whole world sings it. The Lashana Haba B'Yushalayim. <laughs> I'm sorry to say I don't know which one you mean, but it could be. I'm almost sure. And, and and of course, there are others. Why? I mean, look, I, I, I the inner workings of the Tish, there's so many amazing Hasidic Nigunim. Is it significant that the Hasidic dynasty have its own? Like, how would you, how would you classify the importance of a Hasidic dynasty having its own identity through music? I would explain it that Music, just like there are different types of avoidance. Right. Different types of service that a person can serve. We know there's the Hasidic world. Right. There's the Yeshiva world. There's the Svadic world. Right. And you'll find that the music between the Svadic world and the Hasidic world and even the, the Yeshivish world are completely different, even though each of them are beautiful in their own way. Right. The same way with Hasidus, you can go ahead and explain that the, through their Rebbe, who, who they can get close to, and through that get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, music will allow them to have their own expression of Avoidah. Absolutely amazing. The, you and, and other relatives, I believe it's brothers and brothers-in-law, I mean, the Boston uh, tradition, Boston dynasty, let's call it for a moment, is now in Boston, of course, where you are, in Yerushalayim, uh, in Highland Park, New Jersey, which I didn't know, places like Muncie, Manchester, Beitar. I mean, if, if everybody, and I have to assume that everybody is, if everyone's following in the tradition of being this open and this loving of all Jews, the tradition that your father, of course, continued from his father. I mean, it, it, there must be in, it, an incredible impact, even more so just in terms of quantity, that's going on uh, in the world um, in, in this in this area, uh, my point being that that I, I have to assume that all the rebbes of today in the Boston tradition are following 
you know, the, the the example that their father set, and now they have an opportunity worldwide to be impactful on so many more people. Well, that's, that's very, very true. And in fact, even though you have to realize when you have a, a person, he might not do the exact avoider of his father to the nth degree, because after all, everybody, each person has their own way of doing things, and their generation might be different. As we know, the generation of 2020 is not the generation of 1980, or for sure not the generation of 1960. However, the main staple of Boston Hasidus is to do Avoidus Hashem through Ahava and through Yira and through Tyrin Avoida. So, therefore, each one has it. They might have it in their own way with their own wrinkle, but they each have it. And today, being much more spread out, as we know, after the after World War II, the Kharbi Europa, the Holocaust, many it was a, we had a much smaller contingency. Today, Baruch Hashem, through the uh, Orthodox Judaism, observant Judaism has grown, and because of that, they need to have more people to service them, and that's what we're trying to do as well. The service cloud you throw to do Avodah Hashem. And, and you just brought up a point that I think has to be emphasized. Uh, your father and other great Rebbes and Rabbanim of that generation obviously had a lot of challenges and had to deal with very sensitive topics. But I don't know with what this generation is now involved with and the dif- and the difficulties and challenges that they're bringing to people like yourself. Uh, I, I don't even know if 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 they were as difficult the generation before. We're, we're dealing with some very very sensitive social issues. We're dealing in an era where people think that abhorrent behavior is normal or should be normal, and it's certainly creeping into our community. And if you want to keep the obvious Israel, if you don't want to push away people who are, you know, deserving to be part of our community, yet yet sometimes get involved in things that that are, you know, unapproved of at the minimum, it, it becomes a greater challenge. I would assume those are the types of things that you're dealing with constantly. True, but a lot of times people say about my father, my father, of course, was a very, very charismatic person, personable person, generous person, but he knew also how to tell somebody that that's not the way of a Torah Jew. And he did it emphatically. So, and the people that heard it from them took it in the way that it was given, from the heart to the heart. With. And if you have that type of understanding, you can love a person if, he, if he's not like you. Right. But if you feel he's doing the wrong thing, he will. You should let him know that. It, try to be to try to give him an understanding that that's not the way of a Torah. With, with and I wouldn't publicly, of course, it has to be stronger, but privately with tremendous love, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, I know this audience would be curious because to us, it, it, to, to our segment of the community, excuse the expression, um, you know, Boston is always synonymous with the Rav. It seems that the Rebbe and Rav Soloveitchik had a the, had a fine relationship. A wonderful relationship. I, I recall many times during Kalamoy going to visit my father, uh, Rabbi Soloveitchik, together with my father. Wow. And they had different discussions and they were always respectful of each other. I can still recall here in Ashul where there were twins born, 
And Rabbi Soloveitchik was the sandik for one of the children, and my father was the sandik for the uh, for the other twin. Wow! <laughs> if that doesn't say it all about your community, wow, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And, and finally, just to give a historical perspective, your lineage, uh, even even though we think it starts in Boston, Massachusetts, your lineage is really part of the the vast majority of the Hasidic dynasties, right? When it comes to, I assume, I'm making an assumption here, you can tell me if I'm right, but when it comes to Chernobyl, Rachmat Skrift, and, and other, you know, other Hasidic groups that, that usually are lumped together in terms of being related generations back, you are part of that, correct? I'm part of Rabnach and Chernobyl. We're part of many different dynasties, such as Badichev. We we come from the Baal Shem Tov as well, the right. Mizrit Shemagid, and we come from many, many different a dynasty, but we always say, yeah. How will your actions go toward your ancestors? We always have to be careful to know that we have to strive to be like our ancestors on a daily basis. No question about it. Have you had a chance? Has the book been delivered to you yet, Rebbe? Yes, I've seen <laughs> the book, and thank God, Baruch Hashem, it's a beautiful book. And people should write it, because just like you have a Musa Sefer, sometimes you have a living, a living Musa Sefer. Yeah. And this way can teach youngsters and elders as well what it means to have a Havis Yisrael and how to live a life where you can go the extra mile. Uh, I, I cannot wait to come to Boston with my family and meet you, and I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us this morning. A tremendous kavod, a real kavod for us, and uh, we will continue to recommend to people to buy the book, to read the book, and to remember your father. Uh, he was such a, a dear leader uh, in the Jewish world and will never be forgotten. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me this morning. Be well. Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz is the Boston Rebbe. The book about his father was written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. The book is called The Rebbe on Beacon Street, The Inspiring Life and Impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Rebbe of Boston and Harnof. And um, the book is available right now. Go to artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. If you buy one book, you'll get free shipping if you use promo code radio. The only way to get free shipping when you buy one book is to use promo code radio. And right now in June, there's a 20% off sale across the board on everything at artscroll.com. So we're highly recommending it. The Reb on Beacon Street, The Inspiring Life and Impact of Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Horowitz, the Boston Reb of Boston and Harnof. The book is written by Rabbi Shimon Finkelman. And what a tremendous kavod for us that the Boston Reb himself of this generation, Rabbi Naftali Yehuda Horowitz, joined us from Boston to discuss his father here at JM in the AM.